Welcome, welcome, welcome. But uh, it's great to see everybody again. Uh, as you would have noticed, some of the I'll get it now. Some of the if you do want to re-listen to what we said, the only thing that we've left off uh, is is, is the week before last session, and then Mark and Glenda Williams also didn't jolly well record very well, but they're not unhappy because they said it was very personal. If you want to speak to them about special needs or or adoption, please go and speak to them. They're only too happy to to chat to you. So I do hope that we haven't come across as the experts in this child rearing day. We uh, we are far from it. We just have had some years where we've learned stuff that has worked, and we've learned other stuff that hasn't worked. And so, really, we're just reiterating again that what we say is just our experience, or what the Bible says uh, is what we're talking about. So, this evening. This evening, what we are just going to do, please do have questions uh, for us. We, we really would like to ask questions, answer questions if, if you've made um, any discoveries or, or you'd like to pick us up at, at something. But what we're going to do is just to go through bits and pieces of life that we've done, how we've done life, and how we've done life as a family. And so, it's, it's as I said, it's our experience. And it's just some things which are helpful, I think, but it's our experience. Lots of the things that I'm going to say, you can say, no, but that's not going to work for me. I want to do X, Y, Z. That's perfectly fine. You, I'm just telling you how we did some of the things. So one of the things which everyone asks often about is TV and movies. And so what's age appropriate? What do you do with movies? So we made a very simple rule. We just said, whatever the movie's age restriction is, well, that's the age restriction. And you say, well, that's lame because it might be wrong. Yeah, it might be, but we just made that rule. And it's just so much easier because you don't have to make a decision. So the 13-year-old who wants to watch a 16 movie, just say, well, sorry, it's age restricted. And so that's how there is IMDb, and we don't kiss our brains goodbye because some movies are rated badly. And IMDb is very helpful because it tells you, listen, they say, oh no, four times. And so you know what you're in for. They, I mean, you know what I mean by saying, oh no. But, um, so they, they explain, and you can think, well, okay, I can navigate my way through that. That's fine for a 13-year-old, and we'll sit and watch. But generally speaking, we stuck. When it said 2 to 21, we didn't allow the 16-year-old to watch the 2 to 21. It goes the same with uh, games. Video games, same. Video games are, are restricted, age restricted. So look at them and see what that means. I mean, you see this jolly game and there's just blood and heads being blown off. And, and here's your six-year-old watching and loving it. <laughs> the best thing in the world. Just you do have to be very careful. But it is child-specific. So we've got Finding Nemo. Great children's movie. Anyone can watch. Not my child. So Stan takes my children, his children, they all go to the movies Finding Nemo or whatever. Yeah, it was Finding Nemo. So Stan spent the whole movie sitting outside on the ramp because one of my children said, that's not a good movie for me and was burst into tears every time Nemo had disappeared. So you do have to be careful. 
in these in these things, and your children can dictate. So some children, it'll be a 16 movie, but they are sensitive and they don't do well in that movie. So do be careful. We are careful with magic in movies with magic, and um, <laughs> children are looking through the window. There's a fine line between fantasy and imagination and magic. And there's black and white magic and, and wicker magic and all that sort of thing. But God changes things, not superheroes. And so we're very careful of saying, okay, that's a magic movie, it's fine, you can, we can all watch it, we know it's magic and we know it's not true. I, I'm careful of it because lots of it is based on truth. That is what people do when they're practicing occultic procedures, often in movies. And so be careful of, of watch, what you're watching. And uh, God does cool stuff, not Superman. And so that's why we want our children to travel with us, because we see cool stuff all the time when we travel. So the deaf person can suddenly, yeah, Susie put her finger in someone's ear and they could hear. Uh, you can't get that from a superhero. So it's so cool, so encouraged she is from that. I was encouraged, never mind her. But these are things that, that we are we are careful. We're careful with things like clubbing and underage drinking. We just made a rule. Man, it's under 18, it's illegal, so no. Yo, Dad, you're so lame. Yeah, sorry, so lame. It's fine, I don't mind being lame. Rather let your child blame you and that they look good. So when they say, Dad, hey, everyone's going. Who's everyone? Define everyone. I haven't met that person, and most of them it's not everyone. It's just some. And if you let yours go, then what happens after that, no one really knows. But it's just, be careful, it's just it's against the law. So that made it a very easy thing for us. We didn't have to make a decision. It was against the law. Done. Done deal. And uh, so... I'm very comfortable with my child going to their friends and saying, hey, my, I can't go. My dad said no. I know he's so lame. I, I, I don't lose a moment's sleep over that. It's just I'd rather me get blamed than my child get blamed. And then they still can't go. That's perfect. It's, we're all good with, uh, with these things. You know what Mark Twain said? He said, when I was 14, I couldn't believe how stupid my father was. But when I was 21, I realized he'd learned so much. I couldn't believe how much he'd learned over the past seven years. And so let our children, it's, it's quite okay with, with these things. Parenting is not a popularity contest. It really, um, we, can, we can live without being popular. We can't live without parenting. So you often hear someone say, I'm just, my, I'm just the best friend with my, with my son or daughter. The child doesn't always need a friend. It needs a parent. So it's great if you're friends with your, with your children. Wonderful. And your relationship changes from a, a two-year-old to a 20-year-old. Your relationship is different. But be careful that you're so searching after the friendship aspect, then you miss out on the parenting aspect and coaching and teaching your children to it. Same with telephones. How old should a child be when they can get a phone? It's a ridiculously difficult question. Nobody has one answer. I've seen parents that say 15, 16-year-olds without phones. That's quite tough because everything gets communicated at school through their phones. So there's school groups, there's class groups, there's team groups. So it's very hard. So it's fine, but mom or dad has to be that person. So you have to be channeling things through to your children all the time. 
which is fine if that's what you, every action has an implication of what is going to happen. But when you do give a phone, that you make sure that your child is mature enough to use it properly. And uh, remember, when, when you give a phone, there's a consequence to it, and there are dangers that come with these phones. And you just have to be so careful. So, speaking about that, just on device control, there are, if you go and Google now, you will find dozens of controls, measures that you can put in place. And uh, there's, I mean, I, I just looked them up. There's MySpy, that's 700 rand a month, by the way. Custodios, 170 rand a month. Easy, 500 rand a month. K9 is, uh, is free. And then there's another one called Bark. If you do look up Bark, look up Bark.us. There, there are lots of other Barks, obviously. So Bark.us. And all of these things come with some of their challenges. They don't, none of them do everything. None of them block, look at every single app. They've all got a failing in their system somewhere. So do be careful. Do your homework in, in all of these things. Every device has got a family uh, device, a family thing that says uh, can limit your time. A time on your, it limits what sites you can go on, but then you have to type in what sites you can't go on. So they're quite draconian in all the pain, to be honest. But what we've gone with bark.us, and if you don't like it, that's fine, but we like it, and I'll tell you why. It doesn't block anything. So it is dangerous from that perspective. But what it does do, it flags everything that it finds that is unhelpful. So what it does is you get the child's device, be it Android, Apple, or, or whatever, and it's one of the few that monitors WhatsApp. Lots don't go through the social media of WhatsApp. And so it looks at every WhatsApp call, so WhatsApp um, message. So an example this gets flagged all the time, is the family group, all the time. The, the, the children have got a, a family, a, a siblings group, and they call each other lame, uh, whatever they do, that gets flagged. So I don't see the whole conversation, but I do see, it's, it sends a little warning note, it says um, either profanity or bad language or whatever it might be, bullying, bullying, loves bullying. Bullying's a cracker. Lame. So you, if you write lame, it'll come up bullying. And so, and you can set the filter to, to more draconian or, or less whatever, but it just starts a conversation. That's what Bach's whole idea is. So it, it goes through any app that they've got on. It goes through their computer. If they go onto a porn site, it straight away flags sexual content. And so it's very helpful. It doesn't stop. So if you remember... Um, Colossians 2, 21 to 23, says, Don't touch, don't eat, don't drink, does nothing, lacks any value in preventing sensual indulgence. So you can put canine on and it stops any searches that go on that are bad, which is fine. Great, canine's good. But it doesn't start a conversation. I don't know if the child's tried that. I just know that it can't. Whereas Bach tells me it has they've done that. And if you think that your child has not seen pornography, you're wrong. They will definitely at high school have seen pornography. 100% guaranteed. It's what they do with it is what's important. 
So bark flags that, cleans it up to me, and I know straight away my child's gone onto this side, and I can straight away talk to them face to face and say, hey, what is this? What's going on? What's that? They can explain it or not explain, and we can have a conversation. So make sure in all of these things that they can see everything, but some but you know, some won't do YouTube as an example, or some won't do Facebook. They've all got their idiosyncrasies. Just make sure you're getting one that works. Okay, that's just by the way. Then we also didn't don't allow devices in bathrooms. Okay? Or you're right, bedrooms. Bedrooms and bathrooms, no devices. Bad idea, devices in bedrooms and bathrooms. Why? Because bedrooms and bathrooms are just places of evil. <laughs> Potential evil. Bad idea. So so we don't have we have an open door policy. You bedroom doors don't get closed. Can't close your bedroom door. Bedroom doors are always open. Bedroom doors are definitely not locked. Even bathroom doors. Children in a closed door, I walk past, I don't look in, but I open the door. Why? Because what goes on behind closed doors is never helpful. So we just have this open door policy. Does that sound weird? It might to some, but honestly, it'll save your life later on going down the road. Then the children know, hey, and don't lock the door the toilet door. That is not cool. That will reach some bad ideas coming. So no locked doors, open doors, and then conversations can flow much more easily. We have a central charging area. So you can't, they say, yeah, well, I use my phone for a, what's that thing, alarm in the morning. Mm, lame idea. You can leave it outside your bedroom. It'll still wake you up. And, well, I've got to charge my phone. That's right. So that's why we've got a central charging station in the hallway. That's where you can charge. So don't charge in your bedroom. Guys, this sounds to some weird. I don't really mind. That's what we do, and it's helped us immeasurably in these in the world of phones. Okay. So does that make sense? That's true, I think. Even computers. Computers. If you can, rather have your computer outside in the hallway, somewhere where everyone can see what's going on as you walk in and out. Then you say, yeah, but then they, they get computers when they're older and they have to do their homework. Yes, they do, but they can't leave. They can't close the door, A, and B, their computer, when it gets shut at night, computers shut outside the bedroom. Okay, just so that we can see what's going on. And you say, yeah, but that's not trusting your children's friends. Your children are not trustworthy. Let me tell you. Let me help you. I'm just telling you. Only joking. Okay. So, that's parenting around devices, I hope, a little bit. How do we parent around mess? Someone asked a question, I've got a messy child, they just never make their bed. Well, tell them to make their bed. So, we've got that problem. We've got children that don't naturally, they just don't. I mean, it's very few and far between how far but cleaned up after each other and made the room look perfect. But just, it's a very helpful trait. When our children get married, we want to hand them over to their spouse, not a nightmare. 
So we want them not to drop kick their clothes and kick it in the corner. And no, they've got to, there's some idea to them that the first thing they do in the morning when they get up is make their bed. Do they do it? Often, not always, but we try and get them there. Um, the guy who was the head of the Navy SEALs, confirmed his name, he was doing a, a lecture at, at uh, Texas A&M. And he just said, what's the first thing you do as a Navy SEAL? You learn to make your bed. He said, why is that important? Well, he said, if the, you have the worst possible day in your whole life, you come home, at least you've done one thing right that day. It's made your bed. And so I've kind of taken that and said, well, I want you to make your bed. Don't, you don't dump your clothes. I don't care if you do have a helper who comes in and would gladly make your bed. Don't make those beds. They've got to make, learn to make their beds. Because when they're living on their own, they can make their own beds. And it's, I don't care if they don't make it when they're living on their own, but I'm telling you, it's very helpful in all of these things. And make your own lunch. I think we've spoken about it. Get your children from as early an age as possible to make their own lunch. They can do it. They're very good at it. Yeah, but they're so lame. We have peanut butter every day. I think we've had peanut butter from the day, first day I got married. First day. Don't worry, my wife, so kind, jumps up. She's going to make me sandwiches for work. Peanut butter and lettuce. Fantastic. <laughs> I've had peanut butter for a very long time. Very long time. Make your own. So, so then they say, oh, it's so lame. You say, oh, just, I don't really mind. Just go and make your, make your lunch. Yeah, well, I'm going to go and sulk. No. I tell you what, a young lady taught us this lesson. She was a single lady, and she said her mother and father never let her sulk, ever. It was such, it was before we had children, I think. It was such good advice. We never let our children sulk. A sulky toddler becomes a sulky bigger person, becomes a sulky teenager, becomes a sulky adult. He's a passive aggressor. Nobody wants to be that person's friend. Don't let your children suck. Don't, I'm very cautious of saying the grow good chair. You know, go, and sit, go, go into your bedroom until your attitudes change. That is just an opportunity to suck. So be careful of what you're doing of sending your children to go and suck. Don't let them go away to a bedroom on their own. Go, you know, if you do, if you find it works for them, a timeout. Make sure it's short. Don't leave them for an hour because they'll sulk for an hour and come back grumpy. Just make sure. I'd rather, we would rather send them for a walk around the whole property and then come back and come back with a smile on your face. Don't waste my time and walk and come back grumpy. No, no. Have a think about it. Have a pray and you come back. Okay. Happy days. So, then, sorry, I'm jumping around. Is this okay? You just, this, this and this. So, so when, do, when are they allowed to date? It's another movable feast. And um, <laughs> daughters, sons, maybe 34. So, so when can a date? I mean, what's a, what's a good age? Can they date at school? No. Why not? It's cool. <laughs> so the challenge with... with, um, with with saying no, every movie, every movie has dating. So you speak to the American pastor that was here. They were dating at 13. That was the, in fact, they met at whatever, 14 or 15. So you've got to ask yourself, what is the correct answer? There are no rules, but there is wisdom. 
and we've walked the road of difficulty. And I tell you, the 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 general consensus amongst my children is it's done. Don't do it at school. And they've done it, but it's done. So it's there them saying to us, don't do it. Not good. Wish wish we hadn't. And so, I mean, please, I don't mean anything against the girl that or boy that got dated, because they were lovely people. But it's it just doesn't work out well. And then on that, on dating, even if friends, we would never allow. This is a very firm rule. No opposite sexes in the bedroom. So you can't bring a friend home if, as a boy and have a, a girl come, even not dating, just a friend, come home and, and you hang out in the bedroom. We didn't allow that. We won't allow that. The other thing is, is I don't even like non-family members in my bedroom. Just that's my, that's my safe space. Children are allowed in any time. Friends, they just cruise in. But do you mind if I use your toilet? <laughs> I do actually. Just press on. You just care for what? Why? Because I tell you, if you allow a friend in of the opposite sex, a boyfriend will definitely come in, or a girlfriend will definitely come in. And then what? So we heard the one couple said, "Well, you've got to keep both feet on the ground, mate." I can overcome a lot of things with my feet on the ground. There's no, there's no help. Just no, you can't go in. So then when mom and dad aren't there, it's just, no, that's the rule. We, we don't do that. And then it's, it just makes it easier when there's not a decision to be made. Okay. And these are, these are, these are our rules. Please don't say, oh, Paul and Bess said that we have, we have, that's why we have to do it. That's not, it's not at all. I'm just saying how we've done it and it's helped us working out relationships. And then one of the questions that we got was, what do you do, how do you make sure that your children, uh, or how do you help children have a relationship with God? And uh, I tell you, a very helpful thing is this, is that I see lots of children running around in the passageway out there. This became a safe space, church. Church meetings became a happy place for our children. Right, from a very early age. Honestly, Josh was a week old and we were fasting. He was there. I don't know if I'd do that again necessarily, but it just made us that we were there. So people say, well, my child's too young to bring to church. No, your child's never too young to, to come to church. So Sunday night's a great example. Church is starting. We're starting an evening meeting. And you think, well, there's no children's ministry, so I can't bring my children. I tell you, it is a cracker opportunity if you have small children, to bring a duvet or a mat and they can learn and to sit there without disrupting the whole wide world. And so we were quite strong on saying, hey, sorry, who are you? No, I'm from that family. Go back. <laughs> this is my family. We're busy here. Busy with our family. And we would have a bag. It was a church bag. It had books that they only read at church. They only played those toys at church. So there was it was novel. So it wasn't please don't bring a machine gun. Don't don't bring noise. Soft toys, not noisy toys. Good toys. Blank pieces of paper so that you can colour in and draw your own vibe, as Beth spoke about the other day. But it's just it's an opportunity to make this a happy space. And then people 
little people realize actually this is just the norm. This is normal is children, is, is church, I should say. And so when you go back home and you start reading to the Bible together, so as they're smaller, obviously you read the Bible to them, but then they start to read the Bible to you, and you can have this relationship and a prayer that operates every night so that devotion becomes a normal thing. That It's the norm to read our Bible. And, and we have a Bible reading plan. For, the whole family's got a Bible reading plan. So there's a plan. They, they know that that's what's, that's what's going to happen. Um, that, and where are you in your plan? I'm in, I'm in January. It's already November. That's the problem. So it's just something we can check up and say, hey, let me help you with this, with this thing. We, we made every opportunity we could around the, the dinner table. So yes, everyone takes turns um, saying grace, but then we would use that as an opportunity, especially on holidays, very easy on holidays. We would have preaching times on holidays. So everyone's going to preach. Okay, it's your turn tonight. What are you going to preach? What is God saying? What is God doing in your life that is helpful to us? And so it, it's an opportunity for them to share and to say what what they're doing and what God's doing in all these things. And uh, it's a wonderful time for for God to speak through our children to us. And <laughs> occasionally you'll, you'll, you'll yeah, you know they're talking to you in a way you didn't do something. And, yeah, I know, God's talking to me about this. <laughs> really. Uh, so, but it's just an opportunity to, to help us focus on on church, that we train them up early so that when they go out on their own, because I've got no idea what my children in Johannesburg are doing tonight, but I do trust that the last thing they do is they're getting in with God, and because they've got something in them that we put into them ages and ages ago. Okay, so you might hear this, one of the things that someone said, you might hear that my parenting is child-focused. I focus on my children. I only do whatever's good for my child. I'll be very careful of that because ultimately that child's going to become your idol. And so everything that happens, the child comes first. So, uh, and we go on pattern and events, but if the pattern is, well, my child has sport every Sunday morning, your pattern will be that you will soon enough be out of touch. And your child has got to learn that what's important, Jesus is comes first. Because he's not an idol. That, that Jesus is more important and church is, comes before family even. My family have learned. They phone me now to say, hey, it's this, it's Granny's 150th birthday on the 1st of January. What are you doing? No, we're on a trip somewhere or we've got church, okay, well, when can we make it on the 4th? So they've learned, because I will say, no, I'm not coming. Like, first of January is a bad example. But this evening, we, there's an NTMI meeting. That would take precedence over family matters. Why? Because God comes first before family. And it's a pattern and an event. If there's an event, we totally get it. One, if, one off. But when it's a pattern... Be very careful with these things. Same thing with, we were quite careful with our children with extracurricular activities, especially club. So we didn't go for club sport. 
simply because school sport is busy enough. And now you're doing club sport on top of that. And where does God come into the picture? Well, he, never mind family. So be careful of, of all the extracurriculars. The one lady said, no, she just keeps her child as busy as possible. Then, then they never get up to mischief. Because they're so busy, they can't even know their name. Yeah. You've got a church, family, just be careful of extracurriculars that don't work, that, that, that overcommit you. Okay, um, eating together. So, we did speak about this in the very first long time ago. Eating together, at least once a day we eat together. We don't eat breakfast together because deaths, uh, obviously with this is age dependent, but right now in our lives, deaths got time with with, uh, with the Lord in the morning. I am getting ready and the children can get on with breakfast on their own. Perfect. But at least one meal a day we have together. That we committed that every day we'll eat together. Very helpful thing. That thing of, oh, yeah, but I've got a TV show. Just, just let me watch that. Or I've got homework. No, no, no. Just stop for half an hour and sit and eat together. And everyone says, yes, amen. That's right. We do that anyway. Perfect. 98% of the world doesn't do that. So make sure that we're eating together. We're praying together. We're trusting God for things together. So what are you trusting God for in your family? Don't look at me right now because it's my next thing. But often we say, okay, what are we trusting God for this year? Let's trust God together for a family. might be for a holiday. might be for whatever it is. But this, that we're trusting God for something all the time that there's, that there's faith is getting stirred and that we can stir up faith in our family that when they're on their own, they've got their own faith which they can do, which they can practice. And then just the last thing is just serving in a church. And so I really do apologize. This is all over the place. But how do you get our children to serve in a church? And the first thing is this, they serve with us. So if you're the, uh, at the front door welcoming people, you welcome them with your children. Man, they all welcome, they can welcome their own, their mates, and they learn that this is just the norm. This is the norm. They don't just every time go off and play cricket. But that there's a norm that happens that they can serve once a month or however, however often you are. And very soon you'll get it that they actually serving behind the coffee machine eventually or wherever it might be. And big bonus, big bonus, it counts as community service for the school. So, so yeah. use it. Use every opportunity. Hey, listen, your school, you need points. Those are the hours. I'll get them signed off. But those are things that happen all the time. It's very easy to get our children involved because when they're older, they do it on their own. Okay. How's that? Father, I pray that every single word here gets, uh, that people can chew the meat, spit out the bones, and that we can just together do this parenting thing, which is such a wonderful privilege. In your amazing name. Amen. Uh, with the, the opportunities to eat together and also opportunities from COVID-19, I think is something that we discovered which was helpful in the family. And I think 
might be helpful to others. So maybe if your child is in high school, in a boarding school, and then one is working somewhere and talking to those old, and then parents who are at home. So we try to make a supper together using the WhatsApp and pray together. And how it was very interesting, you know, sometimes boys, we are lazy to cook. And then we say, okay, 8 o'clock is the supper and the prayer together. And then next job bag, nowhere northwest, as at home, say, send picture of your food after cooking. <laughs> send on the group. So everyone sent, yeah, 10 to 8, see the picture. And then we can see who is ready, who is not ready. And then <laughs> it was very interesting. And then we pick up one, maybe one from Drobek when the group is praying. So we find it's an opportunity that sometimes we can see what is happening with your children. So thank you. Okay, so my turn. <laughs> so last week um, I wasn't here. We were in Cape Town and we had some work things and they did one of these get-to-know-each-other stories and they put up some questions um, on the board and then you could choose a question to answer and then somebody would, random, would choose another question and you had to answer it. So they were, were um, all those, you know, most embarrassing moments and stuff. But the, the one question is, for what in your life do you feel most grateful for? And I just thought... What, you know, what am I most grateful for? And then I thought, I had to say, because I'm a child of God, you know. And it made me think of that scripture, unless you change, Matthew 18.3, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And so that's, that's what Jesus said to his disciples. We have to change and become like little children. And so it is such an opportunity when we have children Yes, we need to train them, and they're full of folly, and they, but actually, the, the simplicity of children is so godly and such a challenge to us, you know, to, to be like little children and to, to know that we are children. We are children of God. I have, often have this sort of picture of climbing onto God's lap, you know, and burying my head in his chest because that's where we're safe and that's where we can be with our Father. Um, and so look for those, those opportunities in parenting. They're so precious, especially those, you know, those, little, those little kids that are so, such sponges for the, for the gospel. Yeah, and talk, and talk about it with, the, with kids. You know, ask them. I love asking little children like, what they think or what they see or, you know, pick up on, on when they say something that's profound um, or they do something that's, that's really... Um, shows Christ, you know. Um, and I think I, I think Paul spoke about um, self-esteem and building self-esteem in your children. But the same as for us, it's just your identity has to be in Christ. That he made you, that he loves you, that he saved you, that he leads us, that he forgives us over and over and over again, you know. Um, that, that we're not, they must never be Scared of t they will be scared of telling you they've done something wrong because that's normal. You want to go and hide, but.
but, but that there's always a safe space. And if you catch them out, that you always, yes, you're angry as anything, but it's, you know, what would God do? You know, what is God's redemption story through whatever has happened? Because there's been plenty that has happened with our children that we've had to deal with and, and you know, consequences and prayer and, yeah. Um, but but who is who is God to, to us? And that's, that's, I mean, the world's harsh out there and it, the kids are harsh. I mean, the things that kids say to each other, girls can be particularly catty. It, it's, it's hectic out there. But that home's a safe place. And we help them process all these things because they'll come and tell you this one's doing this. And I mean, the one the one girl that Susie was at primary school with said she wanted what did she want to be? Uh, she wanted to be a stripper, well, a play like a playboy girl, like one of those, you know, Hugh Hefner. I mean, that Morris Teller. I was like, how do you how do you process this? And she went on to become a dancer in you know strip club. Just bizarre, but if you looked at your mother and your grandmother, you just saw it was this whole family deal, you know. So sad, and yet, so so how do you help them process, you know, those things? But that our identity is in Christ, and with our identity being in Christ, we come to the scriptures like Hebrews 11:13 and 1 Peter 2 verse 11. We are strangers and aliens on this earth. So we mustn't think we have to fit in, or that we're ever going to fit in. Because we have been called out. The church are the called out ones. And we are strangers and aliens. So don't be surprised if, if, if you don't fit in. Um, and, and don't try and fit in. I mean, sure, we all want to have friends. And, but don't fit in where you shouldn't be fitting in, you know. Because we're different. And, and yeah, there are times it's, it's, it's tough, you know, when you make a call and, and your friends think you're lame or, you know. But but we are strangers and aliens. And I remember when Josh was little, the, the teacher was a Christian, and so it was grade one. And they used to pray. And so she asked Josh to pray, and he said, no, 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 he couldn't pray. So I was like, why couldn't you pray, boy? No, no, no. So I said, but in the Bible it says, because we have this hope, we are very bold. So can you be very bold? So the next time he comes home and he goes, she asked me to pray, and I prayed today. So I was like... Well done, you know, but, but yeah, just, just to encourage them that, that we are here to be very bold and we are here at times to feel like strangers and aliens um, and to be different to the world. Uh, and, and just as, as you help them process their, their lives and their stories and their journeys, that, that there's always opportunities to share the word to share a story um, that you've heard, um, a devotion, uh, because the Holy Spirit's there with you all the time, giving you, dropping little things for you and showing you things, peeking things to you. Sometimes I'll say to Paul, I don't know what it is. There's just something about Sam. I'm, I'm praying and I don't know, you know, and just heed those little moments. To, and sometimes it is just to pray, you know. Um, but But God's, God's journeying with our children. We journeying with our children. Um, but parenting isn't part-time, hey? <laughs> because part-time, it's, it's not a part-time job, you know. I, I, I'm at work, but I'm always a parent, you know. And, and, and it's not something I do when I get home. It's, it's something that, I'm, that, 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 you know, is who I am and, and what we're doing as a family together. 
Um, even if we're apart, I've got kids in Joburg, but we're still, we're still in, on that parenting journey. I've got a son who's married. We're still on a parenting journey with him and my daughter-in-law. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And, and I, think, I think he told you that every time we chat to our kids, we love you, we're proud of you. It's, it's just, that's always going to be what we're going to say to our children because we are. We love them and we're proud of them and it's got nothing to do with what they've done. Um, so when we asked our daughter what, what, what uh, we told you, all our kids said, you must tell them that they must smack their children. So, but the one thing Susie said, she said, Dad taught us that it's water off a duck's back. If somebody says something and it's offensive or hurtful, you've got to learn to just shake it off. Because is it true? Somebody once said to me, if somebody gives you feedback, you know, uh, what do you do with it? And, and obviously, sometimes it's helpful. Because sometimes somebody will be very upset with you and you did do something wrong. So assess, what are they saying? Is it true? Is that what I'm like or is it what happened? But if it's not, and if then you, it's, if, I mean, kids at, prime, at preschool come, you this, you fat, you. I said, are you fat? No. Well, then what are you worried about? <laughs> just, it's a lie. Just shrug it off. It's not, you know, that you just, they must learn to shrug off um, and have water of a duck's back when people throw, throw insults at them. Um, so you, you, you assess what's been said, take out the truth, and throw the rest away. You don't need that. It's not, it's not true. It's wherever it's coming from. And ask God, Lord, because God's the ultimate judge. He knows what's, what's true and what isn't. Um, <clears throat> but people can be incredibly nasty. And the enemy comes to rob, kill, and destroy all the time. And he will use anything to try and derail you. Um, and then just when they say things that can be pursued as, um, seen as, as, as hurtful, um, they're like, oh, what's that? I only said that. It's, and I keep teaching, it's not what you said, it's how you were heard. Because you are responsible for how you were heard. And, and so you might not have meant to be mean, and you might not have known where that person was at. But if it didn't go down well, like, how were you heard? And, and apologize for what went down, even if, if, even if you didn't do anything willfully wrongly. If, it's, if it didn't go well, you can still apologize for the circumstance, you know. Not, not that you necessarily did anything wrong, but I'm sorry that, you, that we had a misunderstanding or that, you know, um, that there's humility. <clears throat> And at, at Josh's 21st, he said, he said, I want to thank my parents for not putting me first, for putting Jesus first, and for leaving me at times when they went on trips or they had things, because that meant the most to me, to know that Jesus is first, and I, you know, and, and we are the kids, um, which, was, which was quite a thing, because it was very hard to leave them when we went on trips and we left them with people all week didn't go to their school play or whatever. Um, but, but yeah, he just said, thanks for loving Jesus first. And, and I thought, I've seen parents who, who fixate on their children and their whole life is for their children. But then they have very high expectations of their children. 
because they've poured their whole life into this child. So if that child messes up, they are devastated, and a child is going to mess up. So you're actually loading your child with expectation that they can't carry, you know, because we're all human. So, so yeah, just just to just to say, don't don't yeah, ask God to show you, like, because it's too easy to idolize anything. <laughs> um, the, the heart is an idol factory looking for things to put in in, in front of God. Um, and he wants you to love your children, but he wants you to lead your children on that journey with him. <clears throat> and I think I think Paul might have said it as well. Kids are more flexible than you. So for all the moms who love their their order and their bedtimes and their pack, packages of this and that, honestly, most kids would 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 be quite happy to go to bed late and have you know, cornflakes for supper. So, so be careful not to put your, um, <laughs> your, your um, <laughs> things on them. Some kids are very pernickety and they like things in a certain way. You'll learn your kid. But generally, um, don't, yeah, bedtime, look, if it's bedtime at, you know, 12 o'clock every night, that's, that's the pattern and event. But, you know, if it's Sunday nights, a late service, kids are flexible. And um, God fills in the in the details. I did find it really helpful though to prepare children for what's going to happen. So we're going to Auntie So and So's house. It's her birthday. You tell them who's in the house and what to expect, because you know you know you've been there hundreds of times, but little kids might not know. And or even we're going to the Sunday evening service. Remember, we're going to sit on the blankets. You're going to play with your toys. You can play with your friends before and after, but so just that there's a little bit of communication as to what's expected of them or what to expect. Um, I found that that made everything go a lot, a lot easier, um, chatting in the car on the way to somewhere. Um, <clears throat> and then, yeah, we just, just really, because life's busy and school's busy and we had five kids at five schools the one year. It, it's just crazy. But... But there are gaps, and you must make the gaps to to celebrate, to just enjoy one another, to have those. Um, sometimes we just used to get home from work and we'd just grab a packet of chips or a packet of biscuits and we'd just drive to the beach, and we would just have fun for an hour on the beach, just just to get away, get together. Just it doesn't have to be fancy, it doesn't have to be expensive. Just just make a moment to be together and to have fun together and to kind of shrug off the day. Um, and then and then holidays. Uh, we, we just always loved our holidays. And we, we, I mean, my family went on, my dad always took us on adventures, which, which I loved. And um, so, so we've done it as a family, but our kids love it now. Like even our kids that have left home will try and come on the family holiday. I was like, wow, because I mean, I certainly didn't want to go to my parents when I was out of school. But, but there's this kind of, yeah, we've just we've just had holidays where we've just spent time together, done fun things together. We have never had lots of money to go on holidays, so it's always been staying in somebody's cabin over there that somebody gave us, and you know, trying to fit in, staying with this auntie on the way, and because it's it's never cost us a lot of money. It's literally been Lord, what you know. And, and so lots of different things, because it's not like we've got a timeshare or something that we always go to. But um, 
but but holidays are are, are really are really special and um, and trust God for those adventures. You know, we've we've done amazing things, and I think we've just prayed and tried and and landed up with with amazing um, amazing holidays and stories. And those are the you know in the Bible it talks about the memorial stones. You know where they would build an altar. And and so what are the altars of your family? What are the memorial stones that you can remember? Um, we did this together, or we, or, you know, this was a was a milestone. And and sometimes it's around something that wasn't necessarily a good thing, but it's remembered and it's and it's still a memorial stone, you know. So, um, yeah. So just just to to find those things that bring you together. Um, and then birthdays, we, I mean, different people do d- different things, and it doesn't have to be a birthday. But look at opportunities to honour. And to to make to to make the most of somebody. I mean, you've got twins, so you've got one day for two kids. But how do you how do you celebrate them, and how do you prophesy over them? Um, and I remember on on Susie's 16th birthday, she wanted to have a, a 16th birthday. It was a big thing. She was having a tea. All her friends were coming around, and um, and so they all came, and she wanted to sit in the garden with them, and we had to stand inside, and it was this whole this whole thing that these girls did and were doing, and so we did everything, and then they came to, to get food, and Paul said, hang on, I just want to talk to all of you, <laughs> and he just just started prophesying over Susie, and the girls were blown away, they're like, my father would never do that, <laughs> like, but but it was just it was it was so natural but so different you know and and she didn't I was she didn't like roll her eyes and say oh please don't dad she could have but somehow there was just this moment where and none of her friends were safe they were they were a worldly bunch you know but they're just these opportunities where you can just speak life you know um, and and so we've always looked for opportunities to. Um, to prophesy, even though the best was at We Friends, because there they prophesy and pray over each other all the time. And I remember we we had a birthday party at We Friends, so they were obviously little, and we brought out the cake, and it was like, I'll pray, I'll pray, and who can pray, and who's gonna? Yeah, I mean, it's just beautiful because they just want to to you know to to pray over each other and prophesy over each other. So but write it down. Write down what people say. You know, write down or record when these little kids um, say things because sometimes they're real pearls and gems in there. Um, and then Paul said, yeah, we, we have done kind of on holiday, often there's time. Um, what's God saying? You've got a five-minute preach and let's hear what, what God's saying. But sometimes in just the busyness and craziness of life, sometimes we just say, let's just be dead quiet for two minutes Let's just listen to God and let's say, let's hear what He's saying. And and then you don't have to say you can say I didn't hear anything. That's absolutely fine. But just be quiet and hear God, because He's always speaking. And He's and sometimes just to all be in the lounge, dead quiet for two minutes is actually a huge <laughs> achievement. Um, and that's yeah. And just it's beautiful to hear like what what's God saying. And there's so often a thread in it, and you can hear oh. You know, and it ministers so much to all of us um, because kids really can can hear the voice of God. Another thing that that um, I'm just reminded of is if you get home from work or and the kids want your attention all the time, 
that we used to say, no, this is mom and dad's time. And we would, they could be in the room, but they could, but we connected for half an hour. And they could play, they could do anything, but we, our relationship <laughs> is very important to them, even though when they're little, they don't understand that. But they can completely understand. Um, at one time, we had one car, and I'd fetch Paul from work. So we had the drive home where the two of us would, would chat, and they would be like, Dad, Dad. And Dad would say, just hang on, I'm talking to your mom. Your time when we get home. And, and they actually come to appreciate that and understand because this relationship is what gives them stability and strength if your marriage is strong and if your relationship is strong. So um, they quite they can learn that very easily to just that you that you there's times where they must just wait. <clears throat> and then the last um, scripture that I just just encouraged me so much was John sixteen thirty three. It says, I have told you these things that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And so, we overcome this. Jesus overcame the world, and he made us overcomers. There will be trouble. It's not a, it's not a question. It's a fact. And so, don't be surprised when there's trouble, but we always are strengthened through that. We will always grow and there's always opportunities. There are things we don't understand, but Jesus overcame the world. So be encouraged, be strengthened, walk with Jesus. Uh, yeah, I mean, the more you, as my kids get older, I really do feel I, I, like I know less <laughs> because they're just, they're always new things that are coming. There's new, all the, the media and the AI and the this and the that and it's just, it is, can be overwhelming, but walk with the Lord. Walk in community because it's these stories like Stanley and Vestine. It's those little things. God is speaking to us as a community and he's, he wants to speak to you about your kids and your parenting in, in the community of God. So just to understand, uh, Gary and Sandy have got children and grandchildren. We don't have grandchildren. I have no idea how to, grand, uh, to parent grandchildren, but they do. They've been there. So ask them if you need help uh, in those sort of things. Uh, Stanley and Vestine, their children are studying and studying and studying and studying. Um, they, uh, <laughs> but they've got incredible testimonies of standing in faith with their children. And so go and talk to them. Have them pour a cup of tea and say, what, how do we do this thing? And that's why we're in this community uh, together. It's just something that uh, Beth just reminded me as she was speaking. What we do do also at birthdays, for example, is make the most of the opportunity of our, so say it's Beth's birthday, everybody goes around the room saying what they love about mom. And you think, ooh, that's so easy. I've got a million things to say. It can be difficult. But it's an opportunity just to, it's especially good if they're friends. So a friend can't fathom this most of the time. But it's just an opportunity to gather around, hey, listen, what is it? Why do you love mom? What do you love about mom? And it's, uh, yeah, I love her shoelaces. Mm, that's cracker. 
She hasn't got any shoelaces at the moment, but maybe something else. <laughs> As they grow older, it becomes obviously more and more and more deep. And then the other thing to think about, this is just an idea, is write your children's story down. So as they go, don't do it every five years. Do it every six months. Just write down a little story. So I've got a book, and you just write it down and just give it to them at their 21st say. So it's just, it's an amazing, it's a chronicling of their life, good and bad. They can look back and think, gee, I didn't think God was with me, but when I realized that God was with me, I noticed these are just ideas that uh, make you have some fun with your children. That I just thought of when Paul was talking about phones. Um, very key fact, that phone belongs to mom and dad. We bought it. We pay for it. It's our phone that you are using. So they can never say it's my phone and you can't look at it. Because it's not. It's our phone. And you're using it. And, and you can look at our phones. So, so that there's just a, an accountability. And, and kids actually want to be accountable. Nobody wants to go down a sinful hole. But it's easy to, and it's easy to in the dark. So, so yes, don't open the elders group because that's not for you because there might be stuff there. But, but, yeah, I mean, look at my browsing history. You'll just see HIV and TB, you know. <laughs> so, um, but just, yeah, just there's, there's accountability. And, and you can, you know, if you've deleted your browsing history, there's a problem, guys. I can see you deleted it. There's nothing. What's going on? You know, just, just look for the opportunities. Bark does flag things. But, but I think, yeah, just that they all know, even Susanna's phone, she has not started working and paying her own cell phone. She's 23. Remember, it's dad's phone. You know? So it just, it just keeps it accountable and real. Um, and, and as I said, they, they appreciate it, you know, so as much as they fight you when they're 16. <laughs> Although they think you're lame. But, uh, but it is, that is a truth. And just remember, if your child sends a nude image of themselves to somebody, who gets into trouble? Me. So please don't play that game. But guys, this is my phone. I, don't, I get held to account. It's not fair. It's not right. But it's true. So, so be careful. Questions? Parenting's easy. Can I just make a comment that Paul and Beth um, said, and I, and I want to agree fully with them, and that is that um, the, the excuse that children have that, that they don't want to come to church I have no friends is actually not a valid excuse. Um, it is a case of you being the parent and you make sure they come because I can tell you something, the more they come to church, the more it becomes normalized for them in terms of their walk. And so when they actually get out into the world, they've had 12, 18 years of spending time in the company of people that are Christians, that are whole, and I can tell you something, my daughter and my son, who are both married now, both serve Jesus, and they've got long-lasting friends 
that they've started off with at Glenridge, when they were five years old and three years old, they're still mates today. Around the world, they connect with one another. And it's a beautiful thing to see how these boys or how these girls still interact with, with each other. And not, I don't think not all of them, but 90% of them still love Jesus and their actual influences in the, in the areas that they, that they work in. So never underestimate that thing. It's a, it's a, you know, we have a, it's a privilege to be able to bring your children up in a, in a church environment like this. Uh, make, the, make the most of it. As Paul Beth said, you know, we did the same thing. You come with your blanket on a Sunday night, and we'd be in the church in the morning as well. And you know what? Sunday night, well, actually, if you go to bed a little bit late, half an hour, an hour late, so what? You're still up in the next morning, they adjust. And don't allow your kids to control your lives. You control them. You're the one who makes the decision, not them. When Gary was talking now, it just triggered in me a, an issue that I felt he'd stated, but perhaps not as directly as I'm going to do it now. You will see how extraordinary the amount of intake is, despite the fact that it might appear your children are occupied with coloring in or playing a game. That as you're driving home, out of the blue, they could ask a question. They're like, "What circumcision?" Or like, "You go, ah, like, how did they even? They looked so engrossed in the game, and yet they, at the same time, so there's this faculty that we as human beings possess to do something gainfully with our hands. As adults, we can do it, while our ears are inclined, and the more exposure we can give to our children of those kind of solid messages. It goes into their subconscious, not in the one ear out the other, as popular mist or popular psych might claim. It settles in the subconscious. So I really feel maximal exposure is so beneficial. How do you intervene in what you can see as an unhealthy friendship that your child might be very keen on and they possibly disagree with you that this is an unhealthy friendship with someone. Uh, let's say teen. <laughs> so our kids got to know when Paul would sort of say, oh, no, I don't know why, but I'm just saying no. Um, and they would fight, but after a while, Susie was, or, or she'd go to something and she'd say, oh, Dad, you were right. It was terrible. It was, you know, so, so because you do, you just get that sense of, and they don't have to go. I mean, they are at school with somebody, so, but, but you can coach them and ask questions. Ask questions, you know, like this girl who wants to be a stripper, you know. It's like, you know, why do you think she wants that? Like what? And, and, and sort of talk about her self-image and, you know, it, is that how God would want us to be? You know, what, 
you're a princess in God's kingdom. Like, you, you wear a crown. You're a princess. You know, why would you want to, you know, be a stripper? And, 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 and so, so you, can, you can ask lots of questions that can help. There are some times when they've got invited. Sleepovers, we didn't do sleepovers with, with people we didn't know. You know, we were just like, I'm sorry, we don't know those people. You can go to the party, we'll fetch you a tent. You know, or, or you can't go to the party and make another event. We often, if there was something gonna, happening and we didn't want them to go, we'd like, oh, you know what, we're doing this. And we'd like, we'll all go off and do. But, but yeah, make, a, make another opportunity because they don't want to sit at home with doing nothing when everybody's having this big jaw. But we can go out for dinner. We can, you know, think of something they love. Let's go to movies. Let's go to, um, yeah, create a counter event that, that can, can dissuade them from, 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 from there. Um, yeah, ask God for creative ways. But, but as parents, we know, and you know what, there, there are some kids who are fine, but our kid is, is influenced unhealthily by that kid. You know, so, so you know your kid, you know, you know, you know them. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with that kid. It's just your kid is, is unduly influenced. And, and so you try and temper things. So, um, but yeah, go with your gut is, is all I can say. Because we know our kids, we love them. And generally, you know, the Holy Spirit shows you things. There was a, a, a kid um, who was asking Susie for advice. And um, she's like, oh, I can't tell my mom. So Susie says to her, your mom and Jesus are tight. Your mother knows already. So just go and tell her. <laughs> and it's just exactly that, you know. <laughs> but it was just, because um, you do know. Even if you don't know exactly what it is, you know something's going on with your kid, you know. So the kid went and told your mother. And, of course, the mother was like, I know. Let's deal with it, you know. So, um, <laughs> But I was interested in Susie's <laughs> approach. <laughs> But you can coach your children on character issues. So you can say, listen, let's talk about that child. They are wanting to be a stripper. They love pornography. Where is that going to lead? And we, especially teens, we can coach them around the character that behind why we don't think it's... Hopefully they can come to a realization, actually, this is not helpful to me. And you can coach them around these things. Just a, another thing, because we didn't specify, but um, media intake in toddlers. Um, it's very interesting. If you read the psychologists and the American Association of Pediatricians, they put out guidelines. It's getting less and less. It used to be kids can have one hour, and now they reckon below two, they should have no um, screen time because it slows their mental functioning. So yeah, just just open any any um, parenting secular parenting book on screen time for toddlers because uh, I'm always amazed at how the evidence is showing more and more that 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 little kids should not be sitting on screens. And what do they want? The screen because they know. The parents on the screen the whole time. They just want to do what you do. In, in, in the days when our kids were little, they had those little like fake cell phones, like the Nokia and then the Nokia plastic one. And they used to walk, pick it up, no, it's not the real thing, and go and find it. I mean, they were like, they couldn't even speak. They knew that was a skunk, and they'd find the real They looked exactly the same. 
they worked out in two ticks what was real and what wasn't. So it's a very easy distraction. Stick them in front of the TV, stick them in front of Peppa Pig or whatever. But just be careful, guys. It's, it's really, yeah, as I say, they, they just show brain slowing in kids that, that watch so, so many um, screens. Google this. Google a picture of a normal brain and a picture of a brain that's watched pornography. It is frightening. You'll never do porn again. It, your brain is just crunched and mangled and messed. The, the, the physical, whatever those things are that look like worms, it's a mess. Normal brain, maybe you can see all the worms. It's very interesting. Um, as you become a parent, you become uh, responsible for yourself, your life, your family, especially your spouse and uh, your children or a child. So from there, you you are the center of everything in the family. So as you raise children, I wanted to talk about uh, what you talk about the, the teen, the child. As you are responsible, you need to be aware of your children, whatever they love is mostly. If it's a girl, you may be only 14 years old, you must know what she likes more than any, any other. So for my, my, like my family, we know something about the boy, but you couldn't realize what our girl loves the mostly in her life. Because she's like, everything is, it's okay, it's okay. She can tell you, it's okay. If food is not good, she will not talk, but Nick can't eat. So you need to know what the favorite things for your child. Once you find the relationship is not good, you will create a moment to go somewhere, to meet together as a family. Then do something what the child likes. You would even uh, discover what was hiding, what was causing bad relationship, so that you can run like this. So from there, you would know what to do. You will know how you can behave. You would know what causing this child to be like this. Because during this moment for good friendship, while you, you bring, let's say, he likes meat, Nick likes a good meat. If you put here the dishes, he will start by picturing every food. Then after he will eat. He will eat, then he will talk. We can finish even, <laughs> we can finish even like 11 o'clock when we enter the restaurant after seven evening. But it's very hard for some other children. But as you are responsible, you need to learn from every day. You will know what the child loves, then you will know how to handle the situation. Thank you so much. Anyone else? Thanks. Um, two weeks ago, I think you were speaking about um, on discipline in terms of dealing with an issue immediately. Um, I think recently I've just figured something with myself, especially when my son's disobedient and I can see it's in his eyes. He's he's like, yeah, show me what you want to do, kind of thing. And then 
I think afterwards, like he's also got a short in me. Like he's very happy afterwards. I'll smack him. He'll cry. Five minutes later, it's as if nothing happened. But I'm still, I'm still there. And it's like I'm waiting for an apology for him, but he's, he doesn't know better. So how do you deal with that? Because I can see it. He's forgotten two minutes later. But I've been smacking him, and then I'm still so angry. And I'm like, I'm still there. And he's like, hi, Dad, and he's hugging me. So how do you deal with that emotionally? So don't get there. So you never discipline in anger. And get, so it's, it's, you've done something wrong, you recognize it, you repent. This is before any discipline has happened. So that there's the repentance, there's the making right, there's apologizing to, repenting to Jesus, repent to mom and dad, or whoever. By then, one's anger has gone way down. Everyone's emotions are, are out of it. And it becomes an unemotional, it's always going to be emotional, but, but there's not an anger. Because when there's anger, there's pain, you can hurt. You don't want to hurt. The, the, the goal is not to hurt. The goal is to discipline in, in these things. So that's, we just find that helpful. But to forgive is <laughs> divine. I mean, it, we need, because they test us the most, because it's like, but mom, you said that we must forgive. And, and then you realize, I haven't forgiven, you know. And it is, Lord, help me. Because it is, it is not easy to forgive some, you know, something. It really takes God forgave us for what we willfully did wrong. So therefore, we can forgive anybody for what they willfully did against us. Because there's nothing that can't be forgiven. So, so it, it tests the very fiber of you. You know, you think you've got this together and then, you know. You're landing up being the one challenged in the circumstance. Yeah. So, um, so we waited for Zach to obviously get older before he was baptized, and we've got two other kids. But what is? I know lots of people are. It's when your kid is ready, but at the same time, it's like an intro or getting baptized. I don't agree with. But what is your take? It's not the church that picks. So obviously, every community will have their own, you know, but as parents, where and how do you think we should look at? Like, we waited until Zach was, like, 12. Well, we well when we did it, we used the whole idea of, well, Jesus was 12, and so we were like, and we felt he was ready as well. But in from a general space, what do you think is appropriate? So, yeah, I mean, they're going to come to Kidsmen. They're going to be taught about baptism. They're going to be um, watch baptism happening at church. So so we just, we just entered the conversation of what baptism is and when you believe, then you get baptized. So Josh, Josh was about four, and he came to us. We were in Nazareth. He was in tears at the church there. I don't know what they've done in Kidsmen. He came, and he said, Mom, I need to get baptized. So I'm like, speak to your father. And, but Paul's very, they must understand. You know. And if you start the conversation and they can't take it to where it needs to go, they generally lose interest. 
But Josh was, he knew what it was. He knew why he needed to be baptized. Paul looked at me. He said, let's go to the lagoon and baptize Josh, you know. So um, Susie was probably five or six, but she had a long road of all the tantrums and everything. And eventually Josh was like, Susie, you need to get baptized. And she was like, <laughs> then she, she was on her own story. And then eventually, um, yeah, and you know, it was you know, it was very clear to him in the in the Bible, but he was whatever, seven or eight. But and then the one day it, it just all came and she was like, Mom, I need to be baptized. So I'm like, Paul, please come home. So we lived in a flat, we we filled up the bath and we baptized Susie. And honestly, it it was like it was night and day, like from that moment, you know. Um Sam, we were baptizing people in our pool at breakthrough and everybody was coming to be baptized the next thing there's Sam I'm getting baptized <laughs> so we're like oh okay he was at school um you know Paul gave him a little crash course of do you know what this is about but he, he was adamant Brown got baptized here one of the Sunday evenings um Michael got baptized at home in the pool it, it, it just it's just their relationship but but Paul asks them very pointed questions like why do you need to be baptized why do you want to be baptized and and they've been in the community enough to have picked up that and, and initiate the conversation, you know, and like you initiate any conversation, what is baptism? There's always an opportunity to talk about it so that um so that you teach them about it. But um yeah, believers baptism, you know, um and that, that they're a believer and that they know and that they are making a choice to be baptized. But it is a it's a line in the sand with the devil, you know, and just noticing how it, it really helped Susie to get through her kind of, I mean, she was five or six, but she'd been a very torrid um, toddler, and it, it was part of that, I am making a decision to follow Jesus and to, yeah. There's no right answer here. So, Nick Romangali got baptized the other day at 20-something. So, uh, I know another family, who, their father refused to baptize their child until they were 18, until they knew what was going on. That's fine. That's your conviction, and you live with it completely. We don't believe in christening. I don't, there's, that's, there's no biblical indication for christening. We don't, if you've, I've been christened, it didn't make a dot of difference in my life, I don't think. But um, it's all good. But baptism, the Bible says, believe and be baptized. So for me, if a child believes and they know what they believe, then they can be baptized. But again, these are things that are not, I'm not going to, they're not, I'm not going to lose a friendship because you believe X and I believe Y. It's, it's not a, those are, these are convictions that you, you need to, to work through with your conviction and your family. For me, but things that they said, it just happened, it was so cool in Nasna Lagoon. Josh got baptized, so I thought, well, We'll do that every year, just as they come. But it just doesn't work out like that, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, um, for me, it's believer. I, won't, I got baptized when I was 30-something, just because I was dumb, not for any other good reason. But your children, you are their parents, and they live under the conviction of that. Up to you, for me. I'm not going to not be your friend because you you didn't baptize. That makes sense.
Anything else? How do, how do you deal with disagreements as parents in a healthy way? For example, you know, things like bedtime or screen times or going to like sleepovers and all that. So do I say, okay, um, Paul, you're the head of the family to side. Or, so how do you deal it in a healthy way and still live normally and without showing it to children anyway? I wouldn't do it in front of them. We need to discuss with the comment, I'm sure, that it is something that you need to discuss and come to an agreement. And if you can't agree, then who's the head of the home? I'm not saying who should be the head of the home. I'm just saying a father has authority whether you like it or not. And so if there's a decision to be made, a father has to make it. So what I see biblically. And so we will form around that. But how often does that happen? Honestly, hardly ever in my life have, have we got to a point where no, I'm going to make the call. It's so... We've just spoken, okay, that's a good idea, that's a bad idea, and we've got to a point where we say, okay, this is what we decide. On, on, uh, what was your first part of the question? Uh, bedtimes, bedtimes, screen times, clubbing times, all those sort of things. So we would discuss together, and as I said, on, on, on use the law as best you can. So if the law says no under 18 drinking, then make it. It's just so much easier. Then you don't have to make a decision. It's just that's what happens. And I tell you, that thing has helped us countless times. It helped our children countless times. So, hey, Dad, everyone's going to Mount Edgecombe, the clubhouse, and, and we're going to swim. You, uh, really? What else is going to happen there? No, I'm just not happy. No, those parents are very happy that their children are drinking. Because, no, it's fine because the parents are there. No, it's not fine. It's not cool. When the headmaster arrives to pick up his daughter, it's particularly not cool, suddenly. But, yeah. Sometimes things are going down, and I'll just say, Dad and I need to chat. And we will, the two of us will go down the passage to the bedroom, and we will chat and, and discuss things and come back with a united front. You know, don't try and feel you have to, don't try and have a discussion in front of them, because they'll pick up and they'll pull on, you know, the, wherever the weak link is. Um, so, so rather just, and, and don't be rushed into anything. Uh, we haven't thought about that. We haven't discussed it. I can't make a decision right now, so, so sorry, no, you know, um, because they, they're big things, you know, and, and just the enemy's out there, and he loves to take out kids, and he loves to take out Christians. That's what I always tell my kids. Like, he doesn't mind the unsaved kids. They're his already. They, you know, who does he want to take out? He wants to take out the believers and the witnesses for Christ, you know. So our fight is, is much harder, um, you know, to, to, to protect our children in purity. And be very careful if you're tired. So my children know they come to me late at night when they want a quick decision. I'm not good late at night. So they'll come. Just so I'm not making a cool now. I'll make it at 4 o'clock tomorrow morning. I'm as sharp as anything. Oh, Dad, that's going. Yeah, well, you're going to have to wait. Or we'll discuss it and we'll fix it in a moment.
it's a very quick answer to quite a complex question, to be honest. We never argue in front of our children with, on decisions that we're making about them. As they get older, it's helpful that we do discuss things in a constructive way together so that they can see we can have constructive conversations without arguing. But when they're small, the teen, just go away. Close the door, have a discussion. Easy. <laughs> they all fall in when you pull the door open. 